to the Della Fit Podcasts. 360 degrees of holistic fitness and health, all in one podcast. Salutations and proclamations. It is I, it is you, it is us, it is we. Together, we make up the digital family that is the Daily Life Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Philly's number one son, aka the body alchemist, Sun Moon Bay, bringing you another podcast excursion. What's going on, everybody? It has been a while since we have had a podcast, but so many new things, so many things have taken place with the show. But we will be getting into that momentarily. Uh, I do want to talk about today's guest, which is uh, mentalist and consulting hypno- hypnosis, hypnotherapist, excuse me, uh, Mr. Joshua Strongin. He's going to be uh, joining us today and discussing the values and the benefits of hypnotherapy and what it can do for you, or rather hypnosis and what it can do for you. And that'll be uh, later in the podcast. But so much to cover, so much to discuss today. We're going to get right into it. First things first, I want to say to everybody, thank you for uh, your outreaching and uh, trying contacting and just trying to figure out what's going on with the Daylight Fit podcast. Definitely heard you. Many things are taking place with the Daylight Fit podcast. Uh, Let let me just go back. Um, The last episode that we had was practically actually it was a month ago um within that time some very good things started to take place with the podcast uh which one i will let everybody know we are now on iheart media radio yes you can now find us on iheart media radio so that is a big whoop whoop for us um also we have now uh contracted a brand new engineer and uh, I also have a uh, uh, an assistant who is helping with the, the podcast itself. So I want to let everybody know just why we kind of paused. I don't want to say we stopped, why we paused momentarily. Um, first things first, some background on the show. When we first started, uh, it was myself and a friend of mine, uh, Rob Olilifter Miller. And it literally started in my backyard on my cell phone. With this being done, we had no, I had no idea of which direction I really wanted to take the podcast. I just know I'm a big fan of podcasts and I know I wanted to take, to have a podcast and to do a podcast and to take it in the direction which of one of my purposes, which is physical health and health in general. Uh, it was more going to be one of those shows where it was, you know, or Uh, where we were going to be talking about lifting and things like that and along the way as life has things turn and move uh, through its roller coaster and through its maze of twists and turns Rob decided that he uh, Rob and I both decided it would be better if he uh, stepped away to focus on his show excuse me not his show I'm sorry to focus on his own personal goals which is being an Olympic lifter uh, at the time, Rob was just starting to seriously compete. Uh, now he is 37th in the nation, in the United in the in the country. So that's a big whoop whoop for him. Um, he's also a coach. Uh, so nothing but the biggest ups for him and his goals and things that have been taking place. For me, uh, I 
at the time was really plugging, working hard, and I got my master's certification as a physical trainer, uh, focusing a lot on uh, youth, seniors, and uh, personal physical education with a, with a very strong focus on strength training. Now, the funny thing is, along the road to this, as the great guy of the universe would have it, he allowed me to, through my job as a mentor, as well as through uh, doing uh, physical training, he allowed me to have trainings and to sit in on lectures with dealing with trauma, mental health, and other issues that are very much uh, plaguing a huge portion of our society. So for me, the whole thing of training and being uh, active and being healthy and fit opened up. It opened up so wide that my thought pattern of not only being a personal trainer opened up, but also the podcast, which is where the 360 Degrees of Holistic Fitness and Health All-in-One Podcast came from. Because after sitting down with many intelligent people, many knowledgeable people, I discovered that, you know what, it doesn't matter how much you lift, it doesn't matter how much uh, how good your diet is, if you're mental, if you're spiritual, if you're financial, if you're sexual, if everything that goes into making you the human being that you are is not in alignment, is not balanced, then you're not really healthy. Which is why the podcast switched the way that it did. And I'm so grateful and blessed by this. Uh, it threw some people off because at first they were kind of like, hey, I thought we were all about lifting. We are all about lifting. We're also about many of the other aspects of health. And I've been so blessed to meet so many people through this platform that have helped open my eyes to it. So as we continue to go and progress and move and do this podcast, I had to grow. I had to mature. And I'm very blessed for this. I continue to say I'm blessed because it is a blessing. Um, anytime you can progress and move and just learn, that's how that's the perfection of humanity. I've always told people who listen to the podcast that my belief is that Human beings are perfect. We're perfect because we make errors. A lot of people believe that perfection is without error. No, my belief is that perfection is error. If you don't make any errors, how do you learn? How do you progress? So I was so, am so blessed to continue to have this take place. Now, along this these movements, I'm also sitting down and I'm talking to the individuals who help me because I realized that in order to progress, you need people. I've always been a loner. I've always trained practically by myself. I've always done a lot by myself. Even a lot of sports I did was primarily me because I'm not a big team person. I don't mind admitting that. I can work in a team environment, but I feel one of my faults is that I feel if we don't, if I don't have trust in the leader, if I don't have, uh, if I don't believe the person really understands what it is they're doing, then it makes it hard. Especially with many people who um, 
have different personalities. So that's something I continuously work on. So also, I, I it's hard at times for me to share bits of myself. Uh, and this comes from a lot, but let's let's continue to move forward with this. So with the podcast, uh, I have a, a coach. I have many coaches and many mentors that have sat down I have sat down with and discussed and talked about the podcast with and one of them told me said the first thing you need to do is introduce it to your friend family and friends to the people who will be listening to the to broaden it and I did that which was hard for me because I never like sharing things directly with people that close to me it's, uh, it's difficult uh just for my own criticisms of myself but I did that and it helped me change the perception again because what took place was really it helped with the criticism the positive constructive criticism that I received it helped me to develop the podcast even further now I've continued to sit down and talk with many people about the goal of my podcast and the direction and for those that follow me in 2018, you realize that my whole mantra for that year was progression. Hashtag progression. Hashtag progression. 2019, it became mindfulness plus progression. And that's all I've seen. It's been about mindfulness. What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What's going on with you? Well, to take my own advice what was taking place with the podcast was that a lot of information was coming to me about what needs to be done with the podcast positive information a lot of uh, information was taking place dealing with my own life I had an injury some of you might know I had an injury to my left elbow which started to sideline my lifting so I literally haven't lifted in a month and a half to try to help heal my elbow I've been going to therapists and uh, doctor and it's getting better uh, other things dealing with my my other job and the other work I'm doing uh, training uh, just things in general started to come closer and closer all at once uh, certain things dealing with family more and more and what I was realizing is I was starting to get into a space where it's it seemed like it was so much all at once that I was, you know, I started to push away and I said, I can't do that. Even the podcast started to become something I was like, I don't want to, I don't, I, I never want to feel like something I created, I don't want to do. So I decided to step back, reevaluate, and then step forward again. So within that time period, I contacted many individuals, many of our potential guests. I told them what was going on. I let them know that, you know, right now uh, there's some personal issues taking place. Uh, there's some positive things going on with the podcast, but they're very real. And sometimes you have to, to take a step back or pause. I won't say take a step back, but pause before you can go forward with something. Uh, and I want to make sure this is something I continuously uh, do this is something I really do like doing and I wanted to make sure that I continuously put out the best information the best me possible uh, through this podcast because people are bringing 
the best them the best of themselves at least I, I I hope when they come to the podcast and I want to continue to bring the best of me as well so we pause for a month I like I said I hired an engineer because the truth of the matter is I do a lot of the hands-on within the show uh, many people hear me or, or see when I say we even in emails um, there I have people I work with but I'm the type of individual I have to learn to delegate more than actually be involved. So a lot of the we at times turned out to being me, which is not a positive thing. So at the urgence of very close friends and relatives and people I trust, mentors, they said it's time for you to progress and be mindful and delegate the responsibilities of the show. You can do it. Open up and grow. So that's what I did. So in a sense, I've hired a new uh, engineer who puts together the show and helps to make sure the sound and everything is accurate. Uh, Something I'm very proud of because I want people to hear the podcast in its utmost optimum level. Also, I have... Like I said, I hired a uh, um, uh, an assistant who I'm very, uh, very uh, pleased with at this time. And she does a lot of the work for me uh, that I, I'm going to be honest, sometimes I just don't want to do. You know, she sends emails and she helps with the social media. And I greatly appreciate that. Shout out to her. Her name is Kimberly. Um, so... I just wanted to let everybody know what was going on with me here at the De La Fit Podcast. And we're still here. We're still going strong. 2019 is going to be an awesome, positive year for the De La Fit Podcast. And we're going to keep on marching forward progressively, marching forward uh, uh, mindfully, and putting out the best information that we can. I want to say thank you to all the guests for being so patient. I greatly appreciate you. Um, And trust me, you will be invited back. There's always an open invitation for any of you to come back and, uh, and discuss your skills, talents, passions, and what I would like to say, purpose with us. On to another topic. So, um... Like I said, today we have a Mr. Joshua Stronging, and he is a mentalist. He is a consulting hypnotist, and he's going to be, again, discussing the benefits of hypnosis with us. Uh, as I discussed that uh, previously, that's going to be later in the podcast, but I also want to touch on something else that was very interesting, going segueing to something else, which was I recently was watching an episode of The Shop. Now, for those that may not know, The Shop is a uh, is LeBron James's show on HBO. And he has different professionals on, basically they come into a barbershop, they get their hair cut, and they discuss different topics. And I thought it was really, the last few episodes I've watched, I've really enjoyed this. It, it comes on at 10.30 on HBO every Friday. And I caught a glimpse of the last show that was on. 
which I thought was really interesting. Um, they, they touched on so many different topics and things, but something that really sparked my attention that I want to talk about here is the fact of as we uh, he was talking about playing in the finals and talking about just, you know, being a basketball player. And as he was talking about this with other uh, players, I think with Draymond Green, um, a couple of other basketball players uh, that were there. Uh, he had Steve Stout, who's a record executive there. He had rapper and lyricist uh, Two Chains, who is a, a, a recording artist on there. And they were just all talking about different perspectives of the profession of basketball, as well as all of their professions. But it was very interesting because they were discussing, there was one part where they got to, LeBron said, you know, when you're picking individuals to play and you know they've never been in that high level performance level, like they can play very well during the, the preseason. But when they get to that, uh, what is that? Uh, I think it's the uh, the playoffs. He said, they're not used to that. He said, I personally don't have that much trust in them all the time because that's a higher level of functioning. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, that's interesting. And, but it got deeper because Draymond Green chimed in. He was like, yeah. He said, you know, not only that, they're individuals that even though they're in the NBA, they don't know how to play basketball. That's really what kind of struck me like, hmm. Like I had to I had to really cue in on this because I thought it was so interesting. I'm like, how are they in the NBA and they don't know how to play basketball? And he kind of broke it down. He was like, they're individuals who they know how to play basketball, but they don't know how to play basketball. And what it really came down to, he was like, they don't know how to play NBA basketball. But the other thing of it is, is they don't know the fundamentals of the game. And as they really just start, uh, started to talk about it and discussing it, I found they were really talking about they don't know the science of the game. And this is something I've been thinking about and talking about within my circle of mentors and people that helped me to grow. And I've discussed this in previous podcasts way back. But when it comes to lifting, I remember when I wanted to learn how to deadlift. And I had, I've talked about this again, like I said before. I wanted to learn the proper technique because I've always wanted to know just how strong I physically am. People will give you so many different uh, examples of, oh, you're not strong enough because your back is weak. Oh, you're not strong enough because this is weak. You know? And you find out that a lot of times it's not that. It's the fact that you're not using the proper technique. In my quest to find and learn how to properly deadlift, because in my mind, everybody was teaching me, but I wasn't getting any better. And I had people tell me, oh, you need to gain weight. You need to gain more muscle. That didn't work. I gained more muscle, but here's the thing. For me, I was always a smaller individual. A little history of myself. When I was younger, I think in my teens, I was like 125. The biggest at one point I ever got was 140 that was doing construction. So I'm I'm a small individual. I was always agile, very quick. Uh, Did some wrestling track and field so very quick very agile was not that big started working out more got more size did get stronger what I realized in the process of doing this is the fact of my initial 
learning and training was I followed the um, uh, the diagram that most people do. Eat protein, 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 protein. Eat. Eat your six meals a day. Eat your d- 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 this. You know, and follow this and work out. And, and I did it. And I did get stronger. And I got bigger. But I realized something. I said, if I continue to eat this way, is that the way? The only way I can get stronger? Because to me fundamentally and you have to understand something about me i'm the type of individual i i'm a researcher i study i study i study if i'm interested in something i will study it because i <laughs> this, this, is a, this is a whole big thing but um i want to know it in the ins and out of it that's that's me and it's me from so many different levels and i'll discuss why but anyway I'm researching and I'm, and I'm studying. I'm like, hey, you know, there's got to be a better way to this because it doesn't make sense. I have to eat more, get bigger, bigger to get stronger, stronger. And so as I started researching, I found out that strength athletes, quote unquote, peep the word, strength athletes were different than bodybuilders. Well, first of all, I didn't really understand that, period. Although my coaches and things like that and, and my mentors at the time they would always scoff at, oh, you want to lift weights and that's going to slow you down and all this other things. And I had to get past their personal prejudice that they had been taught from their age. Now, kind of follow me because I'm going to tie it into what I was talking about with the basketball and the science. So I had to get past the personal prejudice of my coaches, gain some size, look good, you know, couldn't really move like I, I would used to move. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. How do football players do it? And that's why I started really focusing on strength training. Uh, researched, found an individual by the name of Elliot, Elliot Hulse. Elliot Hulse was really good. <laughs> my phone started taking pictures in my back pocket. Um, Elliot Hulse was an individual that really started to... Uh, focus and actually explain more of the difference between strength training and mass training now uh for those that can go back through this elliot holtz is a as a strength coach and he had a youtube series that is still on youtube but he doesn't really uh focus on it like he used to call um yo elliot and it helped immense shout out to elliot holtz so at the time i was really getting into a lot of things he was saying because I was like yeah this makes more sense this makes more sense because I can't continue to go this way of just eating to get bigger to get stronger it's not gonna doesn't make any sense and I'm researching and researching anyway make a long story short because this is a long story I go back and I start to really focus on strength training and I fell in love with it because it's like it made more sense I was able to develop strength and not have to eat ridiculously Fast forward, I started to research more to find out how are these lifts done properly? Because what was taking place is I found that in my research, a lot of people get emotionally attached to just the movement. Oh, I'm just moving away. Oh, just get the pump. Just get swole. Just get strong. Now, again, for those listening, follow me if you can, because I'm going to tie all this in. And, and, and a great deal to how to what LeBron James and uh, was talking about on his podcast as well as to the podcast in general 
right? And the 360 degrees of the holisticness. So, you know, I'm learning. I'm like, wow. I said, you know, I was training and I was really enjoying. I was getting stronger, but what was I really doing with all those movements? I was getting emotionally, it was like an emotional drive. I'm focused, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm pushing, I'm getting stronger. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing it. But did I understand the movements? At the time, I did. And the people I was talking to, I thought they did. And what I really found out was that many individuals don't understand the science. They don't go deep enough to figure out the science of everything, of of, of many things, of working out, of weightlifting, of diet. I was reading books from... uh, uh, the 1900s I think it's Arthur Sandow and John Saxton a lot of great great uh, uh, strong men at the time and I found out that as I compared the books to then and now a lot of these guys weightlifted did tons of calisthenics ate a normal diet and gained lots of strength and I was like wow and when I looked at how things were today like, you know, it's like if you decide, oh, I'm going to do cardio. You don't want to do too much cardio. You'll lose your gains. But you got to eat a ton of protein. You got to do this. got to do this. If I look at certain magazines, which I'm not going to mention, I looked at what was propagated, what was uh, being taught. And I'm reading these magazines from the 1900s, and I'm like, wow, what's, what, what am I missing? What's changed? What's changed was the narrative of the fact of bigger is better. And I had to really understand what was being focused on, what was being taught. When Arnold Schwarzenegger came about and made bodybuilding a huge thing in the, I want to say, 80s and into the 90s, he changed the mindset of what a lot of actors thought to look like. So if you look at from the time he came about, to looking at its earliest, the different actors, look at the bodies, look at how the body type was for many uh, male leading role actors. It was pretty much a normal looking body, you know, unless they were playing like a boxer or something like that, but they still pretty much look, you know, look quote unquote conventionally average. Then Arnold Schwarzenegger came, boom, he changed the whole landscape. Now it's popular to lift weights because lifting weights, working out was always kind of like a a hodgepodge thing. Like only a select group of people really got into it. It was kind of like people that saw you lifting weights or working out, either you were playing a sport or it was a curio thing. It was kind of like taboo or exotic, like, eh, you're, you're a weirdo, you know, you're a workout nut, whatever. But as I go deeper into it, I started to realize what's the philosophy, what's the actual message here what is the actual thing that I was missing and what I was missing was the fact that the science the science the science of getting stronger the science of training the science of the movements I remember something my father always taught me he was like principles truth doesn't change a lot of people want to think or make it in their head that truth changes no the person changes with truth but the truth of it is that's what it's always been. And my father would always say, a rock is a rock is a rock is a rock. Now, I remember I tried to use this argument with somebody and somebody was like, that's not necessarily true because 
that rock might have actually been a part of a mountain. Still a rock. <laughs> that mar that rock might have originally been a grain of sand. If you go down smaller, still kind of like a rock. I mean, yes. Is it things change? Truth really does not change. And the principles of truth really don't change. We change with them. So anyway, the thing of it is, is I really start realizing that all the movements we do when it was in the gym, none of them were by accident. These were all to develop certain things, certain real strength, the science. And if you develop real strength, real strength, real strength is a balance. Real strength affects your entire body. Then what took place is the fact of it doesn't matter if you're if you run, it doesn't matter whatever type of sport you play, nothing. If you develop it and understand the true science, it's going to affect you throughout your whole life. That's what individuals from the 1900s, 1800s and further back understood versus now where the mainstream industry has taken over, which is we make money. We make money off of uh, selling you these, selling you this product, selling you this product. I have actually taken myself through a test. I did intermittent fasting, whereas I only ate one meal a day. And what I discovered for myself, it blew my mind. I drank water throughout the day. I'd have maybe one cup of coffee, raw, no sugar, nothing. Maybe some tea. And then I would train and I drink water and I would eat a meal from let's see maybe six o'clock I would eat that was my window of eating from six to twelve so basically from six to twelve I'll eat a meal maybe have a couple snacks however I feel throughout the rest of the day no and I PR'd in my bench press before I actually really injured myself I PR'd I went from 300 to 305 to 310 I had never bench pressed 310 without some like real help and I mean I, I lifted it and I was looking at this and I'm like wow look at this look at how much I've learned from this research now I'm taking back to the fact of the whole thing with LeBron James and I know everybody who's listening I apologize if I got long-winded but I really want to share this and the thing of it is is that I look at where my research led me and I look at what he was talking about, him, Draymond Green, and everybody there. There is a science to everything. Many of us tend to think that things happen or take place haphazardly. If somebody gets in a position, oh, they were lucky. Oh, they were blessed. Oh, they were this. Yeah, it's, look, the creator works in everything. But here's the thing. Nothing is by accident. There's a science to everything. And that is my perspective. I feel that humanity, at least in the Western part of it, has lost its way in the fact of understanding there's a science to everything. Nothing is haphazard. That's why, to tie it into fitness, that's why you can have people build great physiques only with calisthenics and be tremendously strong. That's why you can have people build great physiques and still be have stamina and agility and lift weights the people that understand the science they know they know 
They don't practice it the same way everybody else does. You have the people that know and you have the people that think they know. And then you have everybody else that copies. Oh, do it this way. Do it this way. Social media helps with that. And let me tell you this. I'm not against social media. I think social media is awesome. I'm not against the internet. I think the internet is awesome. I think that what we see is what's in people's heads. And that's what we have to focus on. What we're seeing is in what's in people's heads. That's their belief system. And we really get a good view on what people understand and don't understand about themselves. Social media allows us to focus and see what's in that person's head. Whereas before, we couldn't necessarily see that. It might have been hidden. It might have been something people don't discuss. It might have been within their own circle. But that's what social media does. So with that being said, my whole reasoning, my whole thought pattern dealing with this podcast is to help people get closer to the science, to learning the science of whatever it is that they're trying to learn. Whether it's physical health, mental health, uh, 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 sexual health, whatever it is to help put you with those individuals, those guests, those individuals who have that as their purpose, not their passion, their purpose. Somebody actually broke this down to me recently. Passion is great, but it can fizzle your purpose, your purpose for being you will not, it will not burn out because you know that's your purpose in life. Now, purpose can change or a person might have many purposes, but if it's your purpose, generally you're going to stick to your purpose. Generally, you're going to stick to your purpose. So with that being said, bringing people whose purpose is to share their information, share their energy because human beings are nothing, we're, we're, we're energy. That's all everything is, is energy. Whether it's physical, mental, or spiritual. Everything is energy. So that's my focus with the podcast. And that's why I needed to take some time away. Because I needed to reconfigure in my head and grow so I could be about my purpose. And the purpose of the podcast is to help other individuals with their journey. And their purpose health 360 degrees of holistic fitness and health please excuse my list also I recently had a tooth removed on my right side which is greatly excuse my language effing with my speech <laughs> I, I, I have to learn how to get used to it um, but that's kind of what I wanted to share with everybody and I just thought it was really interesting uh, science, science, you know, many people have always, it, it, first of all, I want to take this back culturally for me, for those that don't know, I'm Moorish, I'm of Moorish descent, of Moroccan descent, born in the United States, and I used to grow up, oh, excuse me, and I grew up, <laughs> used to grow up, and I grew up, I used to always hear people say, uh, my elders talk about, you know, Moorish science, Moorish science, and I used to always wonder what that meant and I used to hear people come up to me and ask me about that culturally and for those of you that might know about the cultures you know some of you might not but it's a it's a thing within ourselves we always say more science and I've always have individuals who 
think that they were studying whatever or whatever come to me and be like, yo, I want to know about more science. So I'm going to break down about more science to many people out there listening. And my research kind of tied me into this. What I found out was that what made my culture so great, what made my culture so enlightened was the fact that they realized what more science is, which more, more science is, is understanding that everything humans do is a science. It's not what everybody thinks it is. It's not some hoodoo uh, out there, not to offend anybody, but it's not any magical trick. It's understanding that everything that's put on this earth, that the creator, everything that was done works on a science, on a practicality, whether we understand it or not. If we don't understand, that's where all the magical effervescence pops out. And those that do understand, if they're not willing to teach in the proper way, for longevity, for understanding, they're only propagating, and I'm hoping, I hope I'm using this word correctly, they're only propagating magic or misbelief or illusion. I won't say magic. They're only propagating illusion, and that's for a manipulation and that's with any science I remember uh, I had a martial arts instructor and I never understood his teaching methods it wasn't until I actually talked and had a, a, a former mentor of mine who was a great instructor break down martial arts that I really kind of got it nothing's by accident everything is based on a science Everything is based on human movements. Everything is based on specifics. Even boxing. I had friends of mine that were great boxers. And I always realized the difference between a great boxer and a guy that just thought he was a great boxer. A guy who gets beat you up versus a guy who was a boxer. You had brawlers, you had fighters, you had boxers. I've met some really great boxers. One of my favorite boxers, I know a lot of people are going to hate on it, is Mayweather. Why? Because he's a boxer. And individuals out there, they get caught up in the emotion of his matches and things like that. He's a boxer. He's also an entertainer. Muhammad Ali was an entertainer. He was a great boxer. The thing that I like about Mayweather, Mayweather for this day and time, Mayweather's like, I'm not going to go... And get hurt like these other boxers. And I know many people want to disagree with me. They're going to be like, yeah, he's scared to fight. Oh, he's doing this. Oh, he fights a select certain amount of people. Listen, he's a boxer who's a champion. And this is ties back into the whole LeBron thing. You have people who just go along with the emotions. We'll say this. You have people that are enthusiasts. You have professionals, you have champions. The champions are the, oh, excuse me, the, the people who are enthusiasts, they're just hooked up in the emotion, whether they're lifting weights, whether they're doing calisthenics, whether they're a uh, 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 would-be, wannabe business owner, or would-be entrepreneur, whether they're uh, uh, whoever, whatever they're into, martial arts, whatever. You have a professional who is going in and they're learning and they're like, yes, I do it this way and I do that and I do this and I, I do, you know. And then you have the champion, the person that understands it ins and out. They know the science of it. They know the science of the actual activity, 
in action. They know the thought pattern. They know it spiritually. And they know what it takes to be the top of the top. The creme de la creme. The, the keystone, the top of the pyramid. That's what separates. Mayweather is one of those individuals. And I think it was interesting because uh, to go back to the whole LeBron the shop thing, they had uh, Steve Stout, who's a record exec on there. He was also discussing the whole thing of the fact of um, many artists, <laughs> and I think this was funny. Uh, one of the uh, guys who was a basketball player, one of the basketball players said, how many people don't really know how to rap? And they all kind of laughed. He said, I will tell you this. It's not so much about the ones that don't know how to rap. How many rappers don't understand the business? He said, I'll say there's maybe 10 people that understand the business total. I talk to my friends a lot and we look, I'm a, I'm a 90s guy. I'm an old school hip hop guy. I love some of this new school stuff, but I'm going to tell you something. Jay-Z is one of my favorite artists. Why? Because his evolvement, where he's able to take himself. So I think it's amazing the things that he's been able to do. And I really appreciate what he's been able to do for himself. But I was always in an argument with my friends. And the argument always came down to the fact of what makes a great artist, what makes a great MC. My thing is this. A lot of my friends always talk about, yeah, but he's he's grassroots. You know, that's where the art came from. And I would get in arguments. And the argument is this. The moment you perform in front of an audience you're no longer grassroots the moment you want any people around you other than your small circle to see what it is that you're doing you're no longer just about the culture you want to be out there the the moment that your music is on the radio you're out there i've had a lot of friends they talk about yeah but you know it's so uh popish and it's so this and it's so that if it was just about the lyrics, then why is there music behind it? That's just my opinion. Anyway, I've talked with for way longer than I want to. We're going to get up into this next segment with Mr. Joshua Strongin. I'm so glad to be back. So glad to be discussing and talking with you all. I hope I'm not talking too loud. I got the mic right here. But my new engineer, he's going to kill it for me. Um, welcome back to the De La Fit Podcast. We didn't leave you. You didn't leave us. But now we're back with a better house. And you know what it is. Open the door. Walk on in. Have a seat. You're home with the De La Fit Podcast. It's time for another podcast excursion. Join us. We are the De La Fit Podcast. Hey you. With the earbuds in their ear. Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? When I was trying to get my podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the other places people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid to podcast. I like to upload my episodes directly to the app and then promote. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it. 
go to anchor.fm slash start to join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. You're now tuned in to the Daylight Fit Podcast. We have a guest who has actually been on the show before. Um, <laughs> I talked a little bit about it earlier in the week where we had some technical difficulties. Um, we lost our phone. We actually had an interview phone that we would use to uh, capture all of our interviews, record, and send them all up to the uh, database where we get all of our shows together and ready. And it literally died. I mean, hey, what are you going to do? You gotta, we trust technology, and sometimes it does that. But uh, we tried to actually do the interview a little differently, but it didn't come out exactly as we wanted it to. So our guest was benevolent enough to come back, talk with us, and uh, uh, share his story and his information. So, Joshua Strongen, are you on the line? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing today, sir? I'm pretty good. Oh. Friday, so I can't complain too much. I understand. I understand. And you're you're in New York, am I correct? Yeah. Right. I I know it's now it's cold here. We're in Philly, but you know, I mean, it's cold here, so I can only guess what it's like up there right now. Yeah, it's pretty cold. Just really happy for uh, heat right now. <laughs> same here. Same here. So, Joshua, you are an illusionist and hypnotist. Am I correct? Yes. All right. So we talked about a lot last time uh, on the show. We actually had a great conversation. Um, so I want you to, for the people that didn't get to hear, all right, tell them a little bit about yourself. How did you begin uh, the journey into being an illusionist and a hypnotist? So my journey really started five years ago when I was in college at the time, and I was back in college. So everyone I knew graduated, and I didn't really know anyone at this point. So it's kind of like going to a new school again. So I felt like I had to kind of stand out a little bit and kind of be someone that I wanted to, I guess it was more of a personal thing at the time where I want to be noticed and recognized. Mm-hmm. So I learned some magic and um, it, it worked. I mean, people eventually would come up to me and like, they show me something or they would see something with cards and they would something and I loved it so much that a semester later I just left okay and I left college it was a little rough trying to find work because I didn't realize how much of a business side there was to it like anything Mm -hmm. and eventually I got the hang of it and I started getting shows and People would hire me for performances, and uh, I'm still performing magic to this day. But about a year and a half ago, I found out about hypnosis, and I took a whole year off of magic from learning any new magic to learn everything I possibly could about hypnosis. Because it was so fascinating and interesting to me. And I didn't even know at first that it was real. Mm-hmm. I talked to a hypnotist and mentalist named Spidey, who has been on uh, some 
national TV shows that some people may have seen, and he does uh, amazing hypnosis stuff. And he said to buy his DVD, it gets you started with what you need to know, everything you know to get started with your uh, hypnosis stage show. So I got that, learned everything on it, and watched it multiple times, a lot of notes. And about a month later, I had the opportunity to meet Spidey because uh, he was about 30 minutes away doing the show. So I went to meet him, got him to sign the DVD, and then we hung out for uh, the rest of the day. And that was a real pleasure. I mean, we talked a bunch, had a lot of fun. So and I guess after a month, after a month of just studying a little more, I hypnotized my first two people. And that was really amazing. And when you say you hypnotized them, what what was it that you were able to do? Like, you know, I mean, let's, you know, let's start from the beginning for our listeners who are, you know, are new to this and they only know it from a perspective, which would probably be like what they see on the movies and TV and, sh- you know, shows like that. What is it that you did? So I put them into hypnosis and all hypnosis is, is a trance state. And we all go in and out of trance every single day of our lives, every single person, as long as Typically, people who are, have a lower IQ have a harder time going into hypnosis or trance state, but anyone who has an average IQ or above definitely goes into hypnosis or trance state about seven times a day. Now, why, would, why is it uh, more difficult if they have a lower IQ? Well, you need to be able to relax and focus. And people with lower IQ have, tend to have trouble focusing, I found. And okay. um, it's just it's just really a fact that you need to be able to focus and relax and follow simple instructions to be able to go into uh, hypnosis. Okay. So... All right, give me uh, give me a quick example. Of this would this be just somebody who just is um, I don't know. Are they suffering from something, or you know, or is it uh, when you say IQ, was it education wise, or you know, just clarify for the individuals out there who might not understand. So this would probably be someone. Um, the the first head person that comes to mind is to someone with um. I guess who well, like I said, it's really someone who just can't focus and can't follow simple instructions like put your feet here or put your hands here, focus on this and like just take simple basic instructions, nothing complicated. So maybe not not specifically you're saying um, IQ wise, but maybe has developmental issues or um, uh, certain things that may stop them from comprehending direct directions. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So go ahead. I I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, you're fine. Um. So 
pretty much you just need to be able to focus, relax, get simple instructions, and I need to be able to everyone to now everyone can go into hypnosis. Mm-hmm. I typically do uh, what's called uh, some suggestibility exercises beforehand, especially if it's for a stage set. Okay. Or for a uh, like street hypnosis, I do suggestibility exercise just to see and be able to gauge where your suggestibility level would be with hypnosis. Now, sometimes I won't do this, and I'll just do a specific type of induction, which is the process of putting someone into hypnosis. That okay. has a, about a 90% rate of getting someone into hypnosis and producing hypnotic phenomena. After I do a suggestibility exercise, I will then put them into hypnosis. How okay. I would do it um, exactly just right after, mm-hmm. or I will stop the suggestibility exercise and then I'll do it and start uh, the process of the induction. Okay. So, all right. Let's let's backtrack a little bit because I know we've talked about this, but again, for the listeners who haven't, all right, what is hypnosis? You started by saying it's it's simply a trance, you know, and we go into a trance-like state, you know, several times throughout the day. So explain to individuals who, again, you know, um, who have, or, or I should say are only left with movie magic to be their guide or explanation, you know. Um, Again, what this trance specific trance is, and why do we do it? What the um, what hypnosis trance is, and why we do it? You mean? Yes, like basically, you know, what is what, what is the myth of it versus the truth? So a lot of people, I've, I've heard a lot of people say um, it's mind control, devil's work, and stuff like that. None of those things. I in fact had someone one time. Take, try and take someone who I hypnotized away because they were worried, scared for them. Oh, wow. And they didn't understand that what it was clearly, even though they were like, yeah, I know exactly what you're doing. You're messing with her mind. And I mean, the hypnotist is poking around in there, but with knowledge, they know exactly what they're doing. And this woman clearly didn't know what she was doing because if she did, she would know that taking her away while she was in hypnosis is dangerous. Okay. But um, it, all hypnosis is a state where you're completely free of all stress, anxiety, and pain, both physical and emotional. Okay. So all I do as a hypnotist is facilitate that state. I can't force you to do anything against your morals. I can't make you, like, I mean, like, so typically people will be scared of, like, the hypnotist having, making them take their clothes off. Right. Unless that's, like, something you do. Like, maybe you're a nudist, or maybe you're a stripper. Mm-hmm. Then it wouldn't really come into play, because you know that it's against your morals to do that in public. So, if I'm understanding correctly, what you're saying is that you're not going to do anything more than you would regularly do. 
um that's uh nothing that you wouldn't you would never do before is is something that uh, a hypnotist can make you do so if you are not the type of person that's just gonna bark like a dog, you're not gonna bark like a dog. <laughs> that is necessarily true. I mean, so if you, I mean, because when I do hypnosis on a stage show, I oh, sometimes have people be like their favorite animal or whatnot. Okay. But uh, so it's not the fact that that's against their morals; it's just the fact that that is not against their morals. Okay. So like it's it's a ridiculous thing, but it's completely harmless to them. So it has to be something that would be more like, um, like say you're not going to physically assault somebody for just yeah. no reason at all. Yeah, I mean the CIA has actually tried this. They set up a, they hypnotized a woman and set up a whole entire scenario where she would poison someone and she did it, okay. but she did it. And she was aware that it was a scenario, so that's why she did it. And then they, while she was in hypnosis, they asked her to take off her clothes, but she wouldn't do that. Ah, got you, got you. So, all right, so there's there's way more to it than what we've been led to believe when it's uh, dealing with <clears throat> uh, TV and movies. Because, you know, they, they, they always show us uh, uh, the... the uh, I call it the movie magic scenario where somebody's in front of you, they snap their fingers and they're like, now go run and jump out of a window or go flip like a monkey, you know, something ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right, right. So, all right. Um, Within that, what are some of the benefits of hypnosis? Like why hypnosis and what is it that it can do for uh, individuals? So hypnosis is getting recognized more and more by medical professionals um, mm-hmm. recently to help with things like stress, anxiety, depression, um, pain management. I personally use it and specialize in heartbreak and trauma. Right. And so there was this woman who had Parkinson's that I met over the summer. And we talked a little bit, and I showed her some math there, I told her about hypnosis, and I put her under hypnosis for about 20 minutes, I did a session with her right there, and by the end of the session, she, her, her pain stopped and her trauma stopped for five days straight. Mm, okay. And I remember we talked about that before. You were telling me that uh, it, as far as dealing with the body, how it's reacting and you were saying um pretty much that these are some of the benefits that can take place with individuals uh to help them with uh, uh situations or uh, uh chronic illnesses and things of this nature am i correct yes right and so which leads into a segue of um your job as a consulting hypnotist so explain mm-hmm. about that so technically speaking there is no certification that allows a hypnotist to be licensed to do hypnosis. Okay. Um, even though there is such a thing called the National Guild of Hypnotists, which gives away, um, and they, I don't mean like they really don't give it away, but they, 
it was a long process that you go through to get uh, the certification for uh, clinical hypnotist. Mm-hmm. And it, it does have merit and it holds water, but technically there's no like government nationally recognized uh, certification. Right. And that's where you went so, to school, right? You you started studying there, am I correct? I went to the American Association. Okay. All right. My, my bad. All right. But, and, uh, um, mm-hmm. the, the National Guild would be my next one, but that will be a little while away because it is expensive. <laughs> got you. Got you. <laughs> um, so, Kansas you don't need uh, certification to mm-hmm. do quote unquote like consulting hypnosis or clinical hypnosis. Clinical hypnosis is more for a. Um, Working with like uh, medical professionals and whatnot. Okay. Through that, me, I will work with them in the sense of contacting them and seeing like you're on this medication. Uh, are you working? Are they coming to me just because of this, or is this going to affect them with that? Whereas I feel clinical hypnotist would work more maybe in a setting of um, more see when I do this I do this in either uh neutral location or their location. And okay. the reason I do this is because I need them to be more comfortable. I gotcha. I want them to be comfortable. I don't want them to be on edge. I don't want to if Sometimes people can't come to uh, a neutral location, so I'll often go out to my clients a lot of times. Okay. It's, and, uh, it's a preference thing for my clients that I feel like I need to do. Okay. Now, I, I remember we were talking, and you were saying to me that there are individuals that um, you do not recommend undertake uh, hypnosis, and those are individuals who are under uh, I think you said a lot of medications. They're taking a lot of medica- medications, and um, they are. Oh, oh, oh! You said um, might have um, uh, serious psychological um, uh, 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 ailments or uh, debilitations dealing with, like, like say, um, oh, man. Give me, give me, give me an example. <laughs> um, yeah, if you're like on like a lot of things. A lot of medications for anxiety, stress, and depression. Right, right. Then I personally wouldn't be comfortable um, doing that hypnosis session because those drugs that you're taking do alter your mind in a certain way, whether it be that they alter them in a healthier way or not. Right, right. So, I mean, of course, for lack of a better term, healthy. Um, because I personally want to work with, again, quote unquote, a healthy mind, right. or a mind that's not as I guess altered by certain drugs and medication. Which leads me to a question: So, if the individual is, <clears throat> say, not on any type of uh, heavy heavy chemicals or, <clears throat> excuse me, mind-altering chemicals. Would you work with an individual who has um, dementia? I won't say dementia. What is it? Um, Who is a very erratic mind or something like that? Somebody that might have schizophrenia, um, 
what is that, um, bipolar, things of that nature, can they be helped by uh, hypnotism or is it is it something that you would refrain from in your professional opinion? You know, what would what would be something what would be a person who is not on chemicals that you would be like, No, I cannot work with them? And why they probably could be. I personally would not be comfortable doing that. Okay. Because that is not an area that I specialize in. Okay. But they probably could be a first case of schizophrenia and dementia where hypnosis would help. Okay. Okay. So I know you were telling me last time about, uh, I think you said there was a, a woman that you talked to, you were talking about her earlier, who you helped her with uh, pain that she was dealing with. Um, are there any other individuals, or you can elaborate more with her, um, that you have worked with and that you were able to help and that are, you know, have seen the benefits of hypnosis? Yeah, so I've also helped, been talking with uh, someone recently who is terribly scared and frightened of deadness. And I find that... You said frightened of, of what? I'm sorry, I didn't hear Oh, okay, okay. I find that a lot of people have uh, this fear. And so I helped her into a process of where she would eliminate that fear completely. And when she went to the dentist, there was no problem. She was pretty much like, let's do this. I'm ready to go. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. So break it down. How how does, is, do you deal with the, was it a trauma that she dealt with in earlier in her life? Did you deal with that or like, you know? I, I think all our fears kind of come from our conscious mind. Mm-hmm. They start in our subconscious, but they, then our fears stay in our conscious mind. Okay. And since that's what I specialize in, I can then pinpoint either the exact point of where this trauma or fear started, and I can eliminate it completely, whether it be going back to that moment or going or just staying in the current moment and eliminating it completely, which I prefer to do, because if you go back to that moment, you're kind of having the person relive that trauma again, which I don't want. Got you. Got you. So, Joshua, what is something that you want the individuals out there to understand about hypnosis? I know you talked to me and you expressed how passionate you were about it and what it could do for people. Let them know. I just want everyone to know that there's nothing to be scared of about it. It look, may look scary sometimes from what you see on TV, what you see on YouTube, but it really feels like the best feeling in the world. And I guarantee if you give it a chance, then you'll have a fantastic, amazing experience. Joshua, where can they contact you to ask you more questions or even to come and see you perform or you know because I'm sure a lot of people are going to have questions about as far as uh, other uh, uh, issues and things that uh, hypnotism can do to help them so where can people contact you what's your social media 
Yeah, so you can find me um, on Facebook, I Hate Wands, W-A-N-D-S. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Instagram, I Hate Wands. You can find me on Instagram again, Hypnosis for Change. Uh, I Hate Wands.com. And you can email me, I Hate Wands at gmail.com. Joshua, thank you so much. I know we've been dealing with a lot of technical issues. It seems that technology is not on our side whenever we we try to get together. But I thank you so much for being patient with us and coming back and talking with us. And we wish you the best. And we thank you so much for you sharing your experience and your passion. Oh, yeah, no problem, of course. <laughs> Just want to take the time out to thank Joshua for coming on to the podcast and discussing his skills and abilities and his talent uh, when it comes to the art of hypnotism and illusionism, as well as how hypnosis can help individuals deal with trauma and anxiety and other things that potentially can uh, 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 be of adverse effect to the body. Joshua is a consulting hypnotist in which he helps individuals to try to get over their phobias. So I urge you all to check him out when you get the chance. He is in the New York City area. Um, I know he does different shows. You can check him out at www.ihatewines.com to find out when he's having uh, a show. Uh, I'm going to definitely, when I get the chance, uh, to get back into the New York area to check him out. But I just wanted to thank him because Joshua was just a straight trooper, man. I mean, when we were going through so much trying to get this interview together, the first time we did the interview and we the phone that we were using, it just stopped working altogether. Uh, we tried to use other means to get the interview, but it just didn't sound correct. Uh, didn't have that right sound at all. Then we um, we finally got uh, another phone and we did the interview and <laughs> we had connection issues. And then slightly after that, we got the interview. Um, I had to take a hiatus and Joshua has been a trooper ever since then. And just being really cool about this situation. So I just want to send a shout out to him and urge everybody to check him out when you get a chance. If you get a chance. Um, moving on. Coming to the end of the show, uh, as always, I always like to thank the listeners. I always like to thank the listeners for everything um, because there would be no podcast without you all. I greatly, greatly, greatly thank all of you who have been consistent and loyal listeners and subscribers. We will continue to put out high quality episodes and we will get better and better and better. And I am putting that out in the atmosphere because that is going to become a reality. And I thank each and every one of you who has supported and gave your constructive criticism and your positive energy for the Daylight Fit podcast because that's what we're about. As I always talk about, each one teach one and the village. For those that don't know what the village is, it is always said that it takes a village to raise a child and each one of us is a child to somebody. That also makes us brothers and sisters, uh, especially 
the fact that we are the creator's children. So definitely I'm talking to nothing but family out there. And I appreciate each one of you all out there. With that being said, we're going to end this episode next week. I will have a... uh, 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 Sorry, (laughs) mental slip right there. Next week we will have a Cheryl Myers, uh, the health muse. And she will be talking about toxicity and how to get toxic or be how to watch out for toxicity in your diet as well as around you and how to help eliminate it as best you can from your world, from your life to have the happiest, healthiest life you can. As always, thank you so much for stopping into the Daily Fit Podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to spend your time and energy with us and we greatly appreciate you. Thank you. Be safe. Be loved. Peace. You've been listening to the Delafit Podcast. Ta-ta for now.